Section seventeen of the Macdermots of Ballycloran. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Macdermots of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section seventeen. How the wedding party was concluded. Part one when thady entered the room where the party was dancing the welcomes with which he was greeted by mcgovery and his wife prevented him from immediately seeking pat brady as he had intended for he was obliged to stop to refuse the invitations and offers which he received that supper should be got for him and it was well for those that made the offers that he did refuse them for every vestige of what was eatable in the house had been devoured and had he acceded to mary's reiterated wishes that he would take just the last bit in the world it would have puzzled her to make good her offer in the most literal sense of the words luckily however thady declined her hospitality and was passing through to the inner room when he was stopped by usher who as we have before said was standing up to dance with feemy the last time the two young men had met was at the priest's house when it will be remembered thady had shown a resolution not to be on good terms with the captain and subsequent events had not at all mollified his temper so when usher good-humouredly asked him how he was and told him he wanted to speak to him a word or two as soon as he should have tired feemy dancing or what was more probable feemy should have tired him thady answered him surlily enough saying that if captain usher had anything to say to him he should be within but that he didn't mean to stay there all night and that perhaps captain usher had better say it at once well macdermot perhaps i had so if your sister will excuse me i won't be a minute just step to the door a moment will you and thady followed him out well captain usher what is it i don't know why it is macdermot but for the last two or three days you seem to want to quarrel with me if it is so why don't you speak out like a man is that what you were wanting to say to me indeed it was not for it's little i care whether you choose to quarrel or let it alone but i heard something to-night which though i don't wholly believe it may like enough be partly true and if you choose to listen i will tell you what it was perhaps you can tell me whether it was all false and if you cannot what i tell you may keep yourself out of a scrape well mcgovery tells me that he thinks some of the boys that are here to-night are come to hold some secret meeting and that from the brothers of the two men i arrested the other day being in it he thinks their purpose is to revenge themselves on me and if it was so captain usher what have i to do with it usher looked very hard at thady's face but it was much too dark for him to see anything that was there probably not much yourself but i thought that as these men were your father's tenants you might feel unwilling that they should turn murderers and as i am your father's friend you might for his sake wish to prevent them murdering me and it is from what such a gaping fool as mcgovery says you have become afraid that men would murder you who never so much as raise their hand against any of those who are from day to day crushing and ruining them if i had been afraid i should not have come here 
indeed it was to show them that i am not afraid of coming among them without my own men at my back that i came here but though i am not afraid and though it is not what mcgovery says i mind and he is not such a fool as some others nevertheless i do think in fact from different sources i know that there is something going on through the country which will bring the poor into worse troubles than they've suffered yet and if as i much think they've come here to talk of their plans tonight and if you know that it is so you're foolish to be among them is that all you've to say to me captain usher not quite i wanted to ask you on your honour as a man and an irishman do you know whether there is any conspiracy among them to murder or do any injury to me usher paused for a moment and as thady did not answer him he went on and i wanted to warn you against one who is i know trying his best to ruin you and your father who is that captain usher i believe i know my own friends and my own enemies said thady who thought the revenue officer alluded to keegan answer my question first and suppose i don't choose to answer it why if you won't answer it i cannot but think you are aware of such a conspiracy and that you approve of it do you mean to say captain usher that i have conspired to murder you no i say no such thing but surely if you heard of such a scheme and thought there was such an intention in the country wouldn't you tell me or anyone else that was so doomed that they might be on their guard you're very much frightened of a sudden captain that's not true mcdermott you know i'm not frightened but will you answer the question thady was puzzled he did not know what to say exactly he had not absolutely heard that the men whom he was going to meet that night and whom he knew he meant to join intended to murder usher but brady had told him that they were determined to have a fling at him and it was by their promise to treat the attorney in the same way that thady had been induced to come down to them it had never struck him that he was going to join a body of men pledged to commit murder that he was to become a murderer and he was to become so that very night his feeling had been confined to the desire of revenging himself for the gross and palpable injuries with which he had been afflicted whilst endeavouring to do the best he could for his father his sister and his house but now confronted with usher asked by him as to the plots of the men whom he was on the point of joining and directly questioned as to their intentions by the very man he knew they were determined to destroy thady felt awed abashed and confused then it occurred to him that he had not at any rate as yet pledged himself to any such deed or even in his mind conceived the idea of such a deed that there was no cause why he should give his surmises respecting what he believed might be the intentions of others to the man whom of all others perhaps not excepting the lawyer he disliked and hated and that there could be no question why he should warn captain usher against danger though these things passed through thady's mind very quickly still he paused some time leaning against the corner of an outhouse till usher said well mcdermott surely you'll not refuse to answer me such a question as that though god knows why we mayn't be friends you would not wish to have such ill as that happen to me 
I don't know why you should come to me captain Usher to ask such questions if you were to ask your friends that you consort with in course they would feel more concerned in answering you than I can not that I want to have art or part in your blood or to have you murdered or anyone else but to tell you God's holy truth if you were out of the country entirely I would be better pleased as would be many others and since you are axing me I'll tell you captain Usher that I do think the way you do be going on with the poor in this country Driving and sazing them and having spies over them isn't such as is likely to make you friends in the country Except with such as Jonas Brown and the like and though mind you I know nothing of plots and conspiracies among the boys I don't think you're over safe while staying among them you have been treating that way and if they were to shoot you some night it's no more than many would expect to tell you the truth then captain usher i think you'd be safer anywhere than at mohill thady considered that he thus made a just compromise between the faith he thought he owed to the men with whom he was going to leak himself and the duty which he could not but feel he ought to perform of warning usher of the danger in which he was placed usher felt quite satisfied with what thady had said he was not at all surprised at his expressions of personal dislike and he felt confident from the manner in which young mcdermott had spoken of his perilous situation that even if any conspiracy had been formed of which he was the object there was no intention to put it into immediate operation and that at any rate in mcdermott's opinion no concerted plan had yet been made to attack him a good many reasons also induced usher to think he stood in no danger of any personal assault in the first place though the country was in a lawless state though illicit distillation was carried to a great extent though many of the tenants refused to pay either rent tithes or county cesses till compelled to do so the disturbances arising from these causes had not lately led to murder or bloodshed he had carried on his official duties in the same manner for a considerable time without molestation and custom had begotten the feeling of security moreover he thought the poor were cowed and frightened he despised them too much to think they would have the spirit to rise up against him in fact he made up his mind that thady's intention was to frighten him out of the country if possible and he resolved that he would not allow anything he had heard on the subject either to disturb his comfort or actuate his conduct well mcdermott that's fair and above board and what i expected though it's neither friendly nor flattering and i am not vexed with you for that for if you don't feel friendly to me you shouldn't speak as if you did and therefore i'm obliged to you and i will say that if i am to be shot down like a dog whilst performing my duty to the best of my ability at any rate i won't let the fear of such a thing frighten me out of my comfort before it happens and now if you'll let me say a word or two to you about yourself i'm much obliged to you captain usher but if you can take care of yourself so can i of myself why how cranky you are man if you hate me hate me in god's name but don't be so absurd as to forget you're a man and to act like a child i listen to you and why can't you listen to me well spake on i'll listen mind i don't pretend to know more of your affairs than you would wish me but as i am intimate with your father 
I cannot but see that you in managing your father's concerns put great confidence in the man within there What Pat Brady? Yes, Brady now if you only employed him as any other farm servant He would not probably have much power to injure you But I believe he does more than that that he collects your rents and knows the affairs of all your tenants well I have very strong reason to think that he is also in the employment or at any rate in the pay of mr Keegan the attorney at Carrick What makes you think that captain Usher? I could hardly explain the different things which make me think so But I'm sure of it and it is for you to judge whether if such be the case your confidence will not enable him under the present state of affairs at Ballycloran to do you and your father much injury he is also to my certain knowledge joined in whatever societies all of them illegal are being formed in the country and he is a man therefore not to be trusted i may add also that if you listen too much to his advice and counsels you will be likely to find yourself in worse troubles than even those which your father's property brings on you don't alarm yourself about me i don't be in the habit of taking a servant's advice about things captain usher there's your back up again i don't mean to offend you i tell you however if you remember what i have said to you it may prevent much trouble to you and usher walked into the house prevent trouble soliloquized thady there is no way with me to prevent all manner of trouble i believe i'll go in and get a tumbler of punch and determined to adopt this mode of quieting troubles if he could not prevent them he followed usher Usher was now dancing with Feemy and the fun had become universal and incessant There were ten or twelve couples dancing on the earthen floor of mrs. Meehan's shop The piper was playing those provocative Irish tunes which like the fiddle in the German tale Compel the hearers to dance whether they wish it or no and they did dance with a rapidity and energy Which showed itself in the streams of perspiration running down from the performers faces not much to their immediate comfort a huge fire was kept up on the hearth But the unnecessary heat thus produced was atoned for by the numerous glasses of punch with which they were thereby enabled to regale themselves When for a moment they relaxed their labors This pleasant recreation began also to show its agreeable effects in the increased intimacy of the partners and the spirit of the party all diffidence in standing up had ceased and now the only difficulty was for the aspirants to get room on which to make their complicated steps and oh the precision regularity and energy of those motions although the piper played with a rapidity which would have convinced the uninitiated of the impossibility of dancing to the time every foot in the room fell to the notes of the music as surely as though the movements of the whole set had been regulated by a steam machine and such movements as they were not only did the feet keep time but every limb and every muscle had each its own work and twisted shook and twirled itself in perfect unison and measure the arms performed their figure with as much accuracy as the legs take a sup of punch now miss tierney sure you're fainting away entirely for the want of a drop the lady addressed was wiping with the tail of her gown a face which showed the labor that had been necessary to perform the feat of dancing down the whole company 
to the tune of the wind that shakes the barley and was now leaning against the wall whilst her last partner was offering her punch made on the half and half system take a sup miss tierney then sure you're wantin it thank you mr kelly but i'm after taking a little just now and the head's not strong with me after dancing she took the tumbler however faith mr kelly but it's yourself can make a tumbler of punch with any man deed then there's no spirits in it at all only a trifle to take the weakness off the water come miss tierney you didn't take what'd baptize a babby it'd be a big babby then one like yourself maybe here's long life to the first you have yourself anyway miss tierney and he finished the glass of which the blushing beauty had drunk half might a boy make a guess who'd be the father of it go easy now master morty the swain rejoiced in the name of mortimer kelly it'll be some quiet decent fellow that ain't given to chafing nor too fond of spirits by dad my darling and ain't that me to a hair's breadth is you a decent daisy boy sure if it ain't me where's such a one in the country at all and it's i'd be fond of the child and the child's mother more especial and he gave her a loving squeeze which in a less energetic society might have formed good ground for an action of violent assault ah oh, don't go easy i tell you morty but come ain't you gonna dance instead of wasting your time here all night and the pair reinvigorated by their intellectual and animal refreshment again commenced their dancing whilst the fun was going on fast and furious among the dancers those in the inner room were not less busily engaged brady was still sitting in the chair which he had occupied during the supper at the bottom of the table though he had turned round a little towards the fire at the further end of it thady was seated with a lighted pipe in his mouth and a tumbler of punch on the shelf over the fireplace joe reynolds was seated a little behind but between thady and pat brady and a lot of others were standing around or squatting on the end of the table leaning against the fireplace or sitting two on a chair wherever two had been lucky enough to secure one between them they were all drinking most of them raw spirits and all of them smoking at the other end of the room three or four boys and girls were standing in the doorway looking at the dancing and getting cool after their own performances and dennis mcgovery was sitting in the chair which father john had occupied with his head on the table apparently asleep but more probably intent on listening to what was going on among them at the other end of the room whom he so strongly suspected of some proposed iniquity the noise however of the music and the dancing the low tones in which the suspected parties spoke and the distance at which they sat must have made dennis's occupation of eavesdropping difficult if not impracticable thady had just been speaking and it was evident from the thickness of his voice that the whisky he had drunk was beginning to have its effects on him instead of eating his dinner he had been drinking raw spirits in the morning to which he was not accustomed for though when cold or when pressed by others he could swallow a glass of raw whiskey with that facility which seems to indicate an iron throttle he had been too little accustomed to give way to any temptation to become habitually a drunkard now however he was certainly becoming tipsy and therefore more likely to agree to whatever those around him might propose aisy mr thady said pat 
There's that long-eared ruffian McGovery listening to every word he can catch be spaking now as if you were axing the boys about the rint And isn't that about what he is axing asked Joe? But how can he get the rint or we be paying it unless he gives us his hand to rid the country of them as robs us of our mains and destroys him and us and all them as should be friends to him and the old master and to Ballycloran. You know all of ye that I never was hard on you, continued Thady, when God knows the money was wanted bad enough at Ballycloran. You know I've waited longer for what was owed than many a one has done who has never felt what it was to want a pound. Did I ever pull the roof off any of you? And though queer tenants you've most of you been, ain't the same set on the land now, mostly that was there four years ago. There's none of you can call me a hard man, I think. And when I've stuck to you so long, it isn't now I'll break away from you. Long life to you, Mr. Thady, long life to your honour. And may you live to see the estate your own yet, and not owe a shilling. It's true for the master what he says. Why should he turn again his own now? God bless him. Such were the exclamations with which Thady's last speech was received. And I'll tell you what it is and he now spoke in a low thick whisper i'll tell you what's on my mind those that you hate i don't love a bit too well you all know hyacinth keegan i think deed we do may the big devil fetch him home well then would you like him for your landlord out and out such a fine gentleman as he is blast him for a gentleman said joe i'd sooner have his father he were an honest man more by token he were no protestant he served processes for richard payton up by loch allen well then continued thady if you don't like him boys i can tell you he don't like you a bit better and if he can contrive to call himself master of ballycloran as i can tell you he means to try it's not one of you he'll have on the land end of section seventeen how the wedding party was concluded part one